morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this. I said watching this in the last episode. I, I apologize. But wherever you are listening to this, welcome to another episode of Debates Never Die. Uh, there's five of us here today. I am your host, Malcolm Mishikwa. I am joined by fellow Gooners. We'll introduce the losers last. Fellow Gooners. <laughs> we have first, we first have Kanye Mustetli, my brother. How are you, bro? Um, I'm right. I'm right. I, I told Oaks a few weeks ago we beat Spurs. We beat Spurs. Um, I'm, I'm holding my tongue. Not much, not much else to say. Uh, we'll, we'll hold off until next next week. Uh, I have more to say then. I'm all right. So how are you? Ah, bro. I'm 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 happy. I just ate food, so I'm shining. And Buyelwa, bro, how are you, dude? Because uh, I'm sure you're on cloud nine, man. Ah, uh, I'm as happy as I can be. But you know, it, it's it's easy. Like this weekend was light work. So uh, just on to the next one. Uh, then we have um, T-Boy the Prophets. Although I need to, to, to change that name, bro. I won't even cap. How are you feeling after this humbling weekend, bro? All I'm saying is Sancho better watch out. Because if I slap... <laughs> speak on that later. I'm, I'm surviving. I'm still alive. So. You're still, still surviving. You're still alive. And we have a special guest today. Um friend to the podcast matthew uh he's a spurs fan he plays for sundowns as a goalkeeper my guy how are you doing bro oh man i've been better i've been better <laughs> my weekend wasn't too great i had to watch the less said about it the better you know the less said about it the better <laughs> you're on the wrong show then my friend because we are going to, <laughs> we are going to deep dive thank you so much for being here so uh to the listeners yeah, we're thanks, prob- thanks for having me Perfect. Mbu, thank you for the connect there. Um, I really want to get a Spurs perspe- perspective and uh, a goalkeeper's perspective uh, on that game and just in general. So we have, uh, listeners, we have three or four topics we'll be looking to debate this episode. Let's start off with, because I am biased, we're going to start off with Arsenal Spurs. What a game, what a derby. Um, I'm going to be Mugabe and go first and just give my tape. My take on this whole situation. Uh, listen, guys, I don't want to downplay uh, an, a North London derby win against Spurs. I was gassed. Partey finally scored from outside the box, which is I never thought I'd see the day. But um, it is us at home, right? So for me, I have a list of games that are huge and that I look at as indicators for where we are. The North London derby at the Emirates isn't one because they haven't beaten us, I think, in eight eight attempts now. If this was at White Hart Lane or whatever they call it, what's the Tottenham's Hotspur Stadium or Toilet Toilet Ball Stadium, whatever it is, if, if we were there and we pulled this off, I'd be feeling a lot more like a lot better. Uh, it's a great win. Spurs are always a problem for us, you know, with, with that with that tangent of Kane and Son. Uh, yeah, those are my opening remarks. That's just kind of how I'm feeling at this point in time. Now, going to Kanya, uh, we've had very extensive conversations about um, Gabriel Jesus and just what seems to be a transformative player for Arsenal. How much of his ceiling do you think is... Do, do you think that Gabriel Jesus' ceiling is that of, you know, a, trans- a, tra- a transcendental player like a Thierry Henry, given what you've seen at the start of the season and in that North London derby specifically? 
100%. I, I, I think Jesus is... I, this is going to sound ridiculous. I think he's probably top five strikers in the world, like, playing at his very, very best. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think... And I think we had this conversation in the group a few times when we were trying to imagine who we could have possibly signed had we made Champions League football. Even if even in that world, I wasn't considering that we could get Jesus. Like, he felt like a striker that was out of our reach. The fact that we have him honestly shocks me. Like, there aren't a lot of strikers with, like, with, like, with the ball at their feet that are as gifted as he is right now. We know we like we, we know he can score goals. You know the system hadn't learned to do that. Like I, I honestly think Jesus alone pro- probably starts for every like top six side besides City. Mm. Can't stop like Brazil. sorry, Toby. What's that? Can't stop for Brazil though. So okay, that's cool. That's Brazil. I I I, I won't lie. I won't lie, <laughs> dude. The, the World Cup is coming now, and that the squads that they 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 just released really weren't the teams that they're taking. So you may eat those words, but that's kind of your brand. But continue, Kanya. <laughs> yeah, and and even if you can't start for Brazil, that's Brazil. Eh? That's a very that's a very serious country. Like I don't I don't think it says anything about Jesus if Richard starts ahead of him. That that's a stylistic preference. And on the day, the player who scored is Gabriel Jesus, not Richardson. So. You know, you'll you have to hold that and make make sense <laughs> that the way the way you best can. <laughs> okay, okay, no, no, I, I I echo the same sentiments, bro. I think what I'm seeing with Jesus is is incredible. Mvu, um, we've also spoken at length about what at times seems to be a very precarious mindset in this Arsenal team when it comes to really asserting themselves in this game. Uh, did you feel comfortable throughout the full ninety, or were there any moments where you were truly like okay, Spurs are 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 gonna win this game. I never thought they would win, but mm. um, <laughs> I do think around the twentieth minute, where I think they they had time to to get their shape, it, they looked a lot more solid before that Partey goal, uh, and it, it felt a bit. It felt like we were creating a bit less. Um, I, I mean, I, that's how like we uh, we had like twenty two passes before the goal, but. We weren't really putting things in the box for about ten minutes, um, and the goal. Yeah, so I just the beginning we started really, really sharply. I was not worried. Uh, to be honest, I wasn't. Uh, this is not the game that I was uh, going to be too worried about. I've, I've said it to Matthew as well before that I'm not really yeah. scared of the team because um, we we played well well against them. But I think only like fifteen minutes of the game where I thought ah, we might. We might struggle a bit, but I never once thought that we wouldn't win the game. No. Okay. Okay. And you know, we're gonna. I'm gonna. We're gonna go a bit deeper, but I'm just starting off with like just to kind of get a feel of where you guys are. Now let's go to uh, the the Spurs supporter and the the son of uh, Antonio Conte. Uh, let's start with Matthew. Um, this game for me reminds me of uh, Liverpool Arsenal. Uh, it was I think 1920. Pepe, I think it was Pepe's debut for us, where Liverpool beat us 3-1. And it's on the surface, it, it was a Liverpool day of domination. But in the game, it was a game of fine margins. Like a game of, I remember Pepe hit the post that game. We had a few counterattacks that if the right pass was played, we could have been in and really had a chance to score. Did you feel that way watching this game, that it was a game of fine margins? Or did you feel like you were being dominated and didn't really have a chance to to assert yourselves in the game. Um 
I think once we once we equalized, I kind of thought like, okay, look, we're still there. We've got a chance, but um, I just I thought Arsenal stopped us a lot on transition, and that's what contest football is based on. So mm. they contain well. So I didn't really once they went once it was two one. I was like, it, it didn't look like we were gonna. We had moments, but it really didn't look like we were gonna threaten. So so leaving that down, even worse. Leaving that game, did you feel a certain level of like, okay, like there's still a blueprint for us to move with for the rest of the season, or do you feel like okay, we need something new moving forward as 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 a team? No, no, not really, because like you know, I'm I'm well aware that Spurs are not really in title conversations ever. So okay. top four, perfect for me, and I just mm. feel like look. We had a great start to the season and we're still punching their top four and that's where we need to be. I'm not really worried about a league title. That's going to be Man City and whoever else. Mm. But, but now, look, I'm not... I'm disappointed that we lost, but I'm not really mad because we didn't really derail anything. We have okay. a chance to come playing Frankfurt in a week, so... Now, that's a very measured perspective. I, I asked those questions specifically because on the TL, I've been seeing a lot of Spurs fans. It seems like the, the, the fan base is divided. Half are coming at Conte. I saw a few Conte out tweets. The other half are kind of, you know, along the lines of what you're saying. Um, yeah. Still in line with where we want to be as a club. Now, that brings me to, to Toby, Toby Conte. Um, so your stepfather, bro. Yeah. Tell me. Toby, Toby needs to speak to us. Toby needs to speak to us this weekend. Now, I, I, to, we're going gonna to hear a lot of Toby this episode. But, Toby, I want to know, bro, um, yeah. do you... Th- this brand of Conte, the football he plays, yes, the, transition, the transitional aspect is incredible. But it's different. Do you agree that it's different to say what he had at, at Chelsea? different maybe I don't think it's really different I would say I don't know would it be wrong with me to say that I have better he has better personnel at Tottenham than he did at Chelsea yes. oh so you it, it you, would be wrong you, yeah, you okay okay hold on hold on hold on hold on guys so Toby you you feel Conte's Spurs team is better than his Chelsea team well to an extent I okay not me I think it might be. I, can, can, can we go can, can we go position, position by position and then we can let me, this. let me let me let me get okay. the let me let the whole of the, the defense out. is probably you can argue you can argue because think about it he was performing with what Victor Moses I would say okay I, let me not disrespect my friend Victor. have you seen <laughs> let me not disrespect my friend Victor <laughs> wait 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 so so for you Eda Christian Romero and Ben Davies or Longley are better than David Luiz John Terry Gary Cahill Okay, we can okay, maybe not John Terry, but Gary Cahill can vamoose from their conversation. But, okay, so uh, uh, okay, cool. Courtois versus Loris. I think Loris is hard done by. But obviously Wait, Toby, oh, you're lying to yourself. No, 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 no. We haven't let me finish. I didn't I just think he, he's like he's disrespected a lot. A lot, a lot. He is. He's underappreciated. Hold on, okay, hold on, hold on. Matthew, Matthew, you, you said you agreed with Toby. Yeah. Because I think the best version of okay, this might be a bit controversial. <laughs> I think the best version of Courtois was what we what we saw last season and what we're uh-huh. seeing this season, right? Yes, yeah. And Courtois' time at Chelsea, if you compare it to Lloris's time at Spurs, I'm picking Lloris. Yeah, bro. Like... In that time, 
we look oh, okay. we never okay. have a better keeper than that. Let, I, let, I, I let, let, let me ask this and Toby, I'm gonna come back to you because yeah. actually you not know let me let me I'll circle back to you, Goloris, because that's what I wanted to ask you as a goalkeeper specifically. But now Toby, so you you think do you think Conte's football is sustainable? Like as as a lover of Conte, as the no. his founding member of his fan club, do you believe <laughs> do you believe that like what he's doing with this Spurs team no, is no. is sustainable it's, over a thirty eight game season? No. Okay, over a thirty eight game season, maybe. But I think that they can be offering a lot more. Like, we saw short spells when they were... Like, they're able to pass the ball out the back, you know? Like, they're actually able yeah. to be short in terms of, like, press from Arsenal. They were yeah. able to play out of the press, for example. But then, like, what I don't understand is why they don't continue to try and play like this for a while. So, all I'm saying is... If they you don't like, have personnel. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Okay, that was, that was what I next thing. Also, I don't think Spurs are not an experimental kind of team. They're going to do what works for them. If that's Spurs or Conte in general. Or Conte, yeah. If they're okay. winning a certain way, he's not going to change it. Yeah, that's okay. That's what I've been hearing. Because, for example, I spoke to a Spurs fan today and he was talking about how that a lot of what Conte... Like, for example, you know how uh, Spence is not coming on to play Basuma, yeah. for example. Like, he's very ignorant in the players that he chooses that he, if he doesn't see you as being, like, tactically inept to understand what he's doing and stuff, he doesn't actually really, like, want to play you or want to try you, for example. So, mm. he's a very ignorant manager, which is why I think maybe he's going to have to try and change a little bit because... He's going to have to implement some sort of possession football in this team. That's, that's... That, 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 I'm sorry to cut you off, but that's, I'm very happy you said you, you spoke yeah. about possession because that's where I was going to take this. Yeah, yeah. Like some form of possession football because they can actually play. Maybe not Hoiberg in the boy, like, Hoy, but like, he can. <laughs> like, he Did you say Hoiberg can't play? Sorry, who? Did you say uh, Hoiberg can't play? Well, is he really like? I'm I'm listening. Don't hold on, hold on. Don't, don't forget, don't forget. Pep brought Hoiberg to Bayern. No, okay. no, play as in like. Okay, sorry. Okay. No, when Toby, I'm... Toby, Toby. Hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come. Sorry, I'm gonna come to your defense. Yeah. Because I agree with what you're saying. I think Hoiberg can play, but he's a very limited footballer. Yeah, limited. Exactly. So, like, if you're talking about playing in that, like, obviously with Benteker, that's why I'm thinking maybe they dropped Hoiberg for a while, put on Basuma, mm. but apparently. It was not technically a nip, so I don't know how that's going to work. But maybe if they try Benteke and Basuma and see how that works, he's going to have to fix something, though. That's my chop. No, I, I look, yeah, I think, I think. Uh, sorry, just to go back to the the blasphemy, Spurs do not <laughs> Spurs do not have a better team than Chelsea sixteen seventeen. There's bro, actually bro, no they way. Don't. I'm, I'm bro, just going to have every guess. They have okay, but they're front three. But what are you tra- talking about? <laughs> no, okay, okay. Listen, I, maybe I you forgot. Maybe Can I? I- Sorry, can, yeah. I, can I read you? May I please just read you their starting eleven, right? Chelsea, Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea. It was Coutoir in goal. It was a back three of Espiliqueta, Luis, and Cahill. Victor Moses, Kante, Matic, Alonso, Pedro Costa, Hazard. Off the bench, Pe- you... Pedro Costa, Hazard is is probably not better than Kane, Son, and uh... no, it's better. No, p- no, come, please, please, Kane, Son, and who? Who's the third one? Maybe Kula. Let me say Kula. Like it's. It's maybe the same, but I wouldn't say it's better, bro. Come on, please. I, I okay, yo, you know, let, let's Vic, not give Vic, too Victor, much. Victor Moses is better than Emerson Royale, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. Oh, okay, let, well, let me, let... that video of Emerson dancing before the game. My goodness, <laughs> <laughs> okay, fool. let me bring this back. Let me bring this back. Uh, Matthew, I wanted to ask you so, Hugo Lloris, rightfully so, a legend in your ends and a legend in the Premier League or a, a very well revered goalkeeper. Uh, quite, yeah. contra- quite controversially, and I believe accurately, in 2018, 
um, a great na- a great man known as Malcolm Mashikwa said, <laughs> David De Gea, Hugo Lloris, thank you, but you're done in this league. And in my opinion, I have a certain level of vindication in the fact that I've seen a gradual decline or even significant in certain points in time with those two goalkeepers. So this weekend, how much of this loss do you feel is on Hugo Lloris? And should that be a position Spurs look to to strengthen? Um, yeah, look, the loss, his error was really, really bad. Like, you can't even look past it. And he has these moments where he just switches off. You just think, like, what are you doing? Mm. So, on his day, he's, he's going to give you a 10 out of 10 or he's going to drop a 2 in your face. Like, <laughs> there's no difference. But um, as far as him being done in the league, I don't, I don't think so. De Gea, maybe, but not Lloris. I think he's still got, like, so, so- two seasons that he can give Spurs. But De Gea, I just think for the way that United want to play, I mean, if Tenag sticks around, he can't do that with De Gea. Like, his vision is not going to work with David De Gea. So okay, so 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 you, than... you think think Hugo Lloris is not done at De Gea? It's looking a bit shaky. But now I personally feel that's a bit of a a, a, a hypocrisy, right? I feel like there's a certain level of contradiction in that because yeah, I I yeah. I, I, I view them similarly. In the, okay, you make a good point about different systems, right? Yeah. De Gea is more exposed in that United system than Lloris is in the Spurs team. But yeah. if you're a team, and I, I want to just go to Mvu with this, this, this question. If you're a team that's playing a low block and in transition, is the number one most important thing not a reliable man between the sticks? Mvu. I'm here. Yeah, yeah, that was for you, bro. Do you not feel that if you're playing a low block system, like uh, Conte is doing with Spurs, where it's in transition... The most important position is your goalkeeper. It all starts from there. And this, the solid defense starts with him. Yes and no. Um, like The keeper needs to be solid. So, yes, that's a given. I think Lloris can be, but I, I, I just don't trust him. Like I, The errors that he has... Uh, you tend to cause okay no no let me let me let me rephrase that i think the error that he made he has that in him but i don't think he will do that five times or seven times in a season where the team will lose but in a big moment then yes um so so you th- one, thing, you th- one thing one thing i think he does do is that he is kind of quick in transition like uh getting the ball out and all the, i don't think he he takes too long with that he's just not super great on his feet um, but I agree. I, I think for the way Conte wants to play, I, I don't. I don't think they need a different keeper. Um, but maybe just a better one. But you could get a like for like, and it would still work. Because I don't. So, I don't see. I don't think Courtois was that great. Um, in 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 starting attacks or anything like that as well. But he was just really solid. Um, yeah. So, Matthew, the question I want to ask you now, um, before we kind of get a closing in this Arsenal versus Spurs game, uh, it's leaving Spurs a bit. But now, um, looking at France, who starts yeah. at this World Cup? Hugo Lloris or Maignan? I mean, look, Hugo Lloris is the national team. He's the captain. He's going to start. If it but, was but, based on current form, uh-huh. Maignan has to start. 
but Lloris is he's he's France's captain. As because remember Maguire was United's captain too. Let's yeah. just let's start there. But now <laughs> as as a goalkeeper, right, with your expertise, who are you more confident in? Because I, I'm sorry I'm pressing you on this Hugo Lloris situation, but I I really don't know how this guy I think there's a misalignment in this Spurs team. When I look at Tottenham, this is the thing that makes me not fear you the way I feel I should. Because with, a, with, a, with, with Son and Kane, everyone should fear you guys. But the reason I, I don't fear you is because there's a misalignment in direction of what exactly are, what is, what, what is the standard for this team. And I, I, I'm saying this because as an Arsenal fan, around Ozil and Sanchez's prime, we had the same thing. You can't have Ozil and Sanchez in their prime feeding Walbeck or feeding, you know, uh, Giroud. You need a certain standard. So do you feel that Hugo Lloris is of that standard, a World Cup caliber goalkeeper, a, 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 a Spurs team on the ascension? Do you feel that this guy has life to sustain himself at that level? Uh, look, yes and no. Um... Okay. Yes, because if Conte is a long-term plan for Spurs, which I'm not 100% sure of, um, I think he's, a, he's an okay fit. Because the way Conte plays, he, he plays in a low block. As a goalkeeper, if you're playing for a team with a low block, the only thing you need to really do mm-hmm. is come for cross because the spaces are out wide and be a decent shot stop. And I think he does those two things very well. Fair. So, okay. Like I said, I think he, he'll have another two years, another two seasons. But we, we haven't really signed any or been linked with any keeper that's a replacement. I mean, uh, Golini, I think, was our number two last season. And I, I, I did not know that, I won't lie. I, first time I'm hearing that name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, they haven't really identified a successor. I think. Uh, um, I, but for I, now, I, I, I think he's... He's, he's okay. Like, it's not really one of the positions where we're in a dire situation. Agreed. Agreed. Kanye, you were going to say? I just, no, yeah. I take it back. I, I take it oh. back. Sorry, it's me. I take it back. Loris is washed. I take it oh. back. He's, <laughs> he's washed. What, he's what, what did you washed. see in this time that changed my mind? I just, I just remember, I just, I, I just remembered who was speaking about he's washed, bro. He's washed. <laughs> Okay, hold on. hold on, hold um, on. On the the Hugo Lloris thing, because I'll, I'll close this, and I have two questions for Kanye and Vu. Um, okay, so on the Hugo Lloris thing, I again the keeper perspective, I really appreciate because I guess you know as as uh, an out of, an outfield player myself and so, and who doesn't really have that lived experience, I don't necessarily know the traits that need to be emphasized in certain positions. I agree. Uh, great point, Matthew. Shot stopping and cross collecting, Hugo Lloris can do. Now, moving on to another player um, who I feel is under fire a bit, uh, Hyung Min Son. I want to know, um, Kanya, how did you feel about the, that performance from him? I, I think it, it, it felt like his performance for most of the season. I, I, I find it amazing that he scores a hat trick against the, probably the worst, side, worst performing side in the league, Leicester. And somehow, it felt like everything got erased. Like, like, that guy's not playing as well and hasn't been for, for quite a while. I, haven't, I can't remember when else I saw a good, a good performance from Son where he didn't score for someone who's a winger. Mm. I, think, I think there needs to be a lot of questions around Spurs, Spurs as a whole when Son isn't performing. I don't, mm. I don't know if they're as 
as solid as we'd like to think, especially right now. I, I think just, just to re- uh, rebuttal on that, I think Son is uh, suffering, he's suffering from a very rigid system because you can quite clearly see that in Conte's system, he's the outlet, he is the goal guy, right? I think when, when you play for Antonio Conte, what happens is there is a convergence of goals, goal scorers in the team. So for Spurs, it's Kane and Son. And what's now happened is his game has seemingly become determined, like he, his effectiveness has become determined by games. And that's so unfair on him because I feel he is a, a winger and a player, technically sound and who works extremely hard and can create. So I feel like other aspects of his game are kind of being overshadowed because I, I didn't really care about the, the whole no goal thing until the whole world started going a bit crazy, you know? So Kanye, do you feel that he is perhaps suffering similarly to, say, a, a Jao Felix by a system? Um, no, because he, he won a golden boot last season. I think we might just be seeing um, a little bit of the, the Oba thing. You get the big contract, then you start to perform a little, a little bit worse. Because when I look at Spurs' squad, when you, when you look at Spurs' squad, I'm, I'm a bit, I don't know, I, I look at why Richarlison was signed. I'm just like, if you can replace Aaron on the side, it's son. Like, long term. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Vu, did you have something to say? Yes, it just sounds like Salah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that, that, is, that is a good point. And what then, Mbou, to you, um, it's, uh, it's really to do with Arsenal. And I kind of actually, I want to get predictions. I'm going to get predictions from all three of us because I have a, a friend named Bukani who I've been bantering. He's a Liverpool fan. You know him, Kanye, Bukani Moyo. Um, I have been having him, especially after that 3-3 Liverpool-Brighton, and I've just been reminding him, you know, errors end, to quote your, your, your manager, Toby. So, Mvu, Arsenal-Liverpool, how are you feeling going into that game? Can you give me a prediction, a scoreline? Um, I'm confident. I really want us to win that game. I need us to win that game. You guys know how I feel about that team. I just hope <laughs> these boys don't. Because I think that's my only fear with this side, is that I do feel... Sometimes in in the biggest moments, and I'm I'm done with the excuse of that the players are young. Like this is how you gain experience for big moments. You have to step up. Um, th- that's a big test for us. This is, a, this Arsenal, is a very good Arsenal genuinely world class, or are they going through like a very good period? I, 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 think, I think I think we're bordering world class. I think we're bordering it. We're not there yet, but we're bordering it. To to, to I, kind of go to sorry sorry to kind of go to Mvu's point. Um. Typically with young squads, like, you know, this is when you transform. And yeah. I agree, we have to let go of the, we're the youngest team in the league. What happens is if they take that step, in hindsight, in four or five years, we look back and say, fuck, he was 24, he was 25. We can't keep riding this thing because it's like you're playing two, you know, you're navigating two lanes. We're either a good team or we're a young team. We can't keep being a good young team. So... I, I, I like the way Mvu put that, and I think we're bordering world class. I'm um, sorry, Mvu, quickly, uh, you want to give us your prediction? If Martinelli turns up and Jesus turn up and they finish Trent, 3 1 to the Arsenal. Interesting. Okay. Kanya, because I know you've been monitoring this, the, the year seven curse of Jurgen Klopp. How are you feeling going into this game, and what prediction can you give us? Uh, 2 0 to the Arsenal, I think. Like, oh, clean sheets. Nuts. 
I think we're overdue one, to be honest. I'd, like, I'd like to think that that's what we'll be the most focused on. We keep conceding really stupid goals. Very stupid. Um, against Leicester. Uh, like, yeah, I, I, I'm expecting us to put in... Because for me, that's the big game. Not the Spurs game that we always win at home. That's That shouldn't be celebrated too much as Arsenal fans. The, the game we need to win is the game on Sunday. I agree. So, so yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm, hope, I'm, I'm hoping for a 2-0 win. I remember Oak saying, well, clip the audio, clip the audio. Please, please, I, I pray to God you, you have it all saved and, and, and we can enjoy that together in a week's time. <laughs> okay, no, perfect. Because, look, I, I think uh, this game, going into this game, I want to remind you, gentlemen, of a, of a fixture. Um, I think it was December 2017. Arsenal's in, in a winter wonderland. I'm getting those uh, vibes. I'm getting uh, those vibes this ga- this weekend. And Vukani Moyo, you were pestering me in the DMs for uh, a um, a prediction. I'm saying it's high scoring, and it's going to be marginal. But I can see Arsenal winning this game four two, or a repeat of the 2017 and we're getting a 3-3. I can say definitively right now, October 3rd, 3 p.m. In the, where I am in the U.S., Arsenal are not losing that game against Liverpool at the Emirates. That is my take. Um, and now, sorry, just to kind of transition into our next segment, because we you know we're talking about teams underperforming. Toby Animashahun, I, <laughs> I really just want to know what was going through your mind when the, 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 the third goal went in? Because I feel like that was the deflating goal. How, how did you feel being 3-0 down in the first 30 minutes of, of, of this fixture? Toby stopped messaging us on the group. He was, message, <laughs> he was messaging us during the North London derby. During the United game, he was not saying anything. <laughs> no, no conversation. I just want to put that out there. So I just want to know, actually, no, actually, Toby, the fourth goal, when it was 4-0, how did you feel? Yo, I'm not going to lie. That's when I was a bit scared, yo. Because I actually thought it was going to start touch seven or something like that. Because at that point, then it's just like, then you can't even show face. You can't really walk on the streets with your shirt or anything like that. Because <laughs> then I actually, I would have probably, yo, I don't know what I would have done. But I did. Before the game, I was confident that we would either win. Actually, I, th- I said we would win. Because I actually thought that that's what would happen. Like, I thought we were not serious, but I, I don't know. Maybe I was deluded, but that's just normal as a United fan. But I just didn't think we were going to get smoked. That was what I did not think was going to happen. I thought those days were behind us, but it is what it is. I think I think this game with United, uh, it, tell, it tells me two things. One of the things we spoke about on this podcast, Ten Hag is caught between... philosophies he doesn't know exactly what he wants to do and i think that is a problem in a game like this where if there is one team in this league where you have to have a game plan and know how you're going to play it's against man city it actually it, 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 it actually tells me three things the second thing it tells me is um arsenal really fucked up at Old Trafford, we really, really were childish, but not to develop, make this an Arsenal conversation. And the third thing it tells me, and Toby, I guess you can intervene here. Um, it it kind of makes me question if Casemiro was a Ten Hag signing, <laughs> because I saw Mark Goldbridge tweet um, 
he's talking about Casemiro needing to, you know, wait his turn essentially because other players are performing. But Anthony literally came off of, you know, off of his flight, spoke Afrikaans twice, and then he went straight into the starting lineup. So how do you how do you feel about Ten Hag? Do you feel positive or negative that Ten Hag is seemingly giving players a chance and as a subsidiary to that question, would you rather he just play your best team or do you kind of like that he's being a bit more measured with how he's approaching your squad? No, I'm, I'm definitely happy with the way he's being a bit more measured with the squad. Like, I think there were even reports today about how he is going to be in charge or he's going to have a say in players getting a new contract. So I think for me, that was also another big thing that he's trying to implement. And then in terms of players, like... I don't know. We can talk about Casemiro all day, but like when you watch him, you can just see he's not up to speed. Like that's just you can just see. Like Grealish made him sit down. Obviously, not that, not that not that that has anything to do with him, but I'm just saying. Like even at just other matches, he just doesn't look like he can really cope with the intensity at the moment. And I don't know if that's the thing of the Premier is maybe actually just really too intense for him, or he's just not up to speed. So I think Ten Hag is just trying to, I guess, like, feed him and give him a look, like, minutes by minutes and then see it from there. Because, and then another thing is that we can't just say McTominay hasn't been playing, not world class, but, like, very decent, because he has. So it's not like it's just easy for Casemiro to just break into the team because where is he going to play? So, I don't know. I think Tenar's taking the right approach with this. I just think if there's one thing I can speak about in this game that I saw, I guess, from a tactical point of view, is that our wingers, as Paul Scores were doing, as Paul Scores said, they were doing nonsense. Because, like, whenever I saw, for example, Anthony or Sancho attacking, you would always see, for example, Grealish and Cancelo coming together, trying to do mm-hmm. something. There. But on, from our point of view, it was just Dalo getting, getting destroyed. Yo, getting he smacked. got finished. He got finished. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, like, how does that make any sense? You know you always, when you happen to with these players, you double up. Tottenham were kind of being a Lusaka. They were always doubling up on him. Tri- tri- the tripling up on Saka, bro. Yeah, then what would happen is, obviously, sometimes what would happen is they'd pass it out back to um, wide, wide to pass it into... Partey. But, like, yeah. obviously, you would you wouldn't let Partey shoot normally because you know this guy's going to sky the ball like Keita in that final. But mm. normally, like, that, <laughs> that's what you would expect, is that you would expect players to move in a certain way. And another point I want to say quickly is that Anthony... Although I like his aggressiveness, it doesn't work sometimes. For yep. example, I think you said this on the on the TL, and I saw a video speaking about how he's too aggressive in his press. So what happens yeah. when he gaps for other players? And then, for example, McTominay, we get shifted far to the right, there's gaps in the middle. They run Exactly. Um, well, that, that, so, like, I do think that Ten Hag is implementing these things, but players, they just don't listen, for example. And I think... I've always heard the saying before is that what makes good players elite players as well is how well they listen to instructions. So oh, some of yeah. the players, they just need to learn that instructions are the way forward. But yeah, that's no, my... no, but this, that's, this that's, is your, this is your great, your greatest contribution to this podcast. You actually just spat bars. Congratulations, my friend. Um, may I interject? Uh, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, please. <laughs> just, just with the Casemiro point, um, I think it's important to note that when you're not an attacking player, um, specifically holding like holding midfielders, it's it's hard to impact games as much as, uh, or maybe it's hard to impact games in the same way that attacking players do with thirty minutes to go or ten minutes to go. Yeah. Casemiro's yeah. cameos have been coming on to see the game out. I think 
he should only really be i don't think he's not up i don't think he's not ready or i think he should be judged after starting uh games i don't i don't see why he didn't start this this game not not because McTominay hasn't been playing well or Ericsson hasn't been playing well but like you said Malcolm and Anthony came on he 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 was he was signed and the next day he was playing like my boy i think Casemiro is one of those players especially for like how exposed they were in the middle he should have been playing yeah there was no reason for him not to i personally would have benched bruno cuz and maybe pushed Ericsson uh, further up because Ericsson's passing selection Ericsson, Ericsson's passing selection and final ball is just a lot better a lot of the time in transition united were were losing possession so much because Bruno was either rushing, like I know when you play transition, you have to be quick, but his his post selection is just not great. He we we all know that he's just a high volume player, and in a game like the uh, in a game like this against City, I think Eriksen would have served better as a, as a better fit, and Casemiro have been holding uh, Eriksen further up. So Casemiro for me should just be judged when he has time to start games. But I, I think I think I think that was the mistake. Could be the deep line playmaker yeah. for us. Who's going to Sorry, make Toby. T- My question is: If Ericsson was moving to number ten to move into a ten, so who is going to be that deep line playmaker? Not not necessarily even being moved as out as a ten, but if you're going to defend as a, as two sixes, rather have McTominay sit with 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 Casemiro and the, or, or play McTominay as as, as somewhat of a box to box. You can play with two eights. Can I? But can Ericsson, I tell you? Ericsson should be in charge of those transitions. Not Mvu, can not, I tell you? Yeah. Can I tell you? Can I tell you the issue with that though? If you're playing Casemiro and McTominay as your base, <laughs> you are confirmed max twenty passes combined. Whoa, honestly, <laughs> max. But 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 that 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 for how exposed they were, I I don't think that outweighs playing Casemiro there. I I I, I don't <laughs> like they. They were so open. Who's going to get the ball Holland, to? Holland had the most touches hold on, Toby, hold in on. a game. Holland had the most touches in a game against United because he was coming in to collect because he had heaps of space. United uh, City didn't even play with the six. Like, like Gundogan not a, is not a holding player. Like, there was just so much space in the middle. They were so exposed. But you see, this is the very reason why I think someone like Bruno was... And it's again, again, Toby, I, I like the way you paint this picture because you're not necessarily it's saying it's a Ten Hag issue per se because it's a bit too soon to, to determine that. But I'm disappointed that Bruno was not utilized uh, in this game uh, the way he was against Arsenal because Arsenal didn't play with the six either. Right, because Partey was out, Sambi Lokonga and Shaka were kind of splitting the responsibility. And Bruno was in that pocket and ripping us to shreds. I understand why you go to someone like Ericsson Mvu because he is a bit more temperamental and measured, but he just doesn't have the legs anymore. And you kind of saw that in this game, that, that, that when it comes to transition, whether it's defensively or going forward, Ericsson is very much in his PLO period. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me from this game was actually from Man City's point of view. And I think it highlights just the levels and the fact that I think Man United fans were kind of getting ahead of themselves. I think it's a journey with the coach. You've seen it with Arteta. Not even to say we've arrived at our destination, but, you know, it, you, you, you can't skip stages. And I feel like United fans, after beating Arsenal, with, you guys like to make it seem like a small team, but that, that got your whole fan base believing again. I think you kind of skipped a few stages. And if you saw City the way they set up, this is the first time this season 
I've seen Man City play with traditional left and right backs. There was no inversion with those two players. So that told me that Pep believed we can run these guys with just three in the middle. Mind you, uh, formation-wise, because of the way United set up with, uh, with, with, tucked in wing, with tucked in outside players, um, it was essentially 3v5 in the midfield. So I understand why Vu is, become, is going a bit extreme and saying we need Scott and Casemiro because quite clearly the biggest issue with Man United was the stability in the midfield. Um, I, think, I think, again, when you're playing Man City, you need an identity and you need to understand how you're going to play. And I actually want to take this to Matthew because I know your team is phenomenal against City when it comes to playing with intention. Over the past three seasons, you guys have killed them. What do you think Ten Hag should be looking to do in these big games? Should he be looking to punish for where United are as a club? Should they they buy into this possession-based thing? Or do you think they should be looking to punish in transition and maybe have a bit more of a pragmatic approach with who they play in that midfield role? I think that that will be determined by who you're playing. But ideally, I'm big on trusting coaches and the vision that they try and implement. Mm. So I think against, not against top six sides, I think their United should be looking to try and hold the ball more, control games a lot better. But against teams like Man City, Liverpool... I just don't think it's a you're gonna beat them trying to beat them at their own game. Like mm. you're not gonna go to City and have the ball. You shouldn't even really try. You should be disciplined. Close the spaces, you know, be very compact, force the ball wide. But as far as United, with their, in the context of their current predicament, I don't think that that um they should have a more calculated approach when yeah. facing bigger sides. Sorry, can mm. I just question there? I will, and it's probably to the other three Arsenal uh, fans. It's like it'll be a quick thing, just in terms of. So when you guys go to City or City come to you, are you more pragmatic or stay the same? That's my question. Can I'm far I answer, more pragmatic. Can I answer yeah, this? She's, yeah, she's go ahead. Yeah. I, I was gonna say, Kanya, the the in my opinion, so there's different areas of Arsene Wenger. There's you know the inception when things got running in the end. My favorite performance of Arsene Wenger at the end of his reign at Arsenal was the 2-0 at Man City, where for the first time, he said, I am going to be pragmatic. And if you remember, Kanya, that game, we played, it was 2015, we played a, a uh, low block, right? Not just sitting off, though, a very intense low block. And Santi Carthola was the, the whole transition. Everything went through him. And... We scored a goal. Uh, Giroud scored a, a, a free kick off of a Cazola, um, a, a header off of a Cazola free kick. And I think the second goal was scored in transition. I forget. So, okay. Toby, when you, when you ask that question, yeah. it's, all, it's Man City. There's no shame in going to the Etihad. And as Matthew just said, kind of finding a more pragmatic way to play. It's different playing a top six game at Old Trafford where we know what that stadium's like when the fans are, 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 are believing versus at the Etihad where you already have an inferiority complex. Yeah, I th- yeah. I, th- I think, yeah, I think that's the way to, to, you have to just kind of find the nuance in, as Matthew said, who you're playing. Where are they as a team? And there's no way with this fucking robot doing what he's doing in this league, you can say, have, as Mvu pointed out, Ericsson 
and McTominay as a base. That is crazy. I want to go to Kanye though, um, because I feel Kanye and I have been unfairly painted in how we <laughs> how we felt about uh, ice cold Tony Martial. And I want to know, Kanye, what do you make of that cameo appearance at the end? Do you feel that there is still something there for him? And do you feel there is a way, more importantly, in my opinion, to get Ronaldo and Martial to coexist? So let's start off with how do you feel about Tony for the rest of the season? Uh, Ice Cold Martial, uh, my favorite print striker, honestly. Honestly, I, I love talking about this guy. Um, I think for the first time since, since LVG, probably has a coach that wants to focus around him and like his attributes. The rest of the season, I think Martial could... I think he could get like probably 15 league goals if he can stay fit. I, I don't think United have a better striker in their squad that, that, that suits them the way he does. Um, you, the second question, Ronaldo and Martial, that I'm less optimistic about. I, you, I don't... D- you, you don't think there's an opportunity to play your preferred 4-4-2 diamond if you have those two up top? I, I, I don't think United... Ha- United United's midfield is weaker now than it was last season. Lose, uh-huh. Losing Pogba and replacing him with a less physically capable Ericsson, for me, just kind of handicaps them. I don't know who they'd be playing in that midfield. That'd be, that'd be dog shit, I think. I don't, I don't think they should be trying to do that to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I, I, don't, I don't know how Ronaldo fits back into this team. Like, mm. I think that they should, they should be trying to find a way to make that work, definitely. But the only way I can see it is if they were to put Martial back at left wing and, and we know he, he, he gets bouts of depression whenever he plays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Antidepressants are gone if he goes to the wing, bruv. Yeah, yeah so I, 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 don't, I don't see that working for them. Unfortunately, like I, if United played a four four two, like a flat four four two, then sure yeah. there might be something there. But I don't think that's what Ten Hag has about him. He seems to be almost too rigid when it comes to this. Like he feels like a philosophy more than a strategy kind of coach. Mm. And I, th- I think I think I think yesterday showed that to a T. Really, like going for that type of like play, going into that game the way they did felt felt naive. And I I don't know if he'd abandoned those principles to try and. Maximize Ronaldo, for example. And I don't think he should, really. Ronaldo's old. It's the last year of his contract. Maximizing results of Ronaldo this season isn't going to help the rest of the squad in exactly the same way. So, yeah. But, okay. Martial, but, but to answer the question, Martial, 15 league goals. That's my prediction. 15 league goals. Uh, do you want to put any, like, uh, like con- conditions on that? Or do you think just no, outright? Pro- 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 provided he's fit. I, I think he's capable of that. If he, if he if he can if he can start steady league games, I think that's what he's capable of doing. Decent. Okay. No. Yeah. I I I agree with that too because I, look, maybe not fifteen, but I think he'll get double digits. And you know, yeah. uh, people people have made me the public enemy number one with Martial. I've I've never not rated the guy. I just I've always felt you know <laughs> you're comp- yeah the on the Henri comparisons off of one goal. Where Martin Skirtle kicked his knee, Naji. But anyways, um... he, that that goal, for me, my opinion on Martial, bro, he's just he's just one of those fortunate guys, bro. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's such a fortunate player. But man. you 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 create your own luck, as they say in the streets of Baltimore. But now, um, <laughs> T- Toby, uh, I like the way Matthew kind of ended. I'm coming to you to close this segment. I like the way Matthew contextualized Spurs versus Arsenal. And he's the first Spurs fan that actually has the mentality. I've I've come across that as the mentality of a team that is going that 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 has an, a direction for his team. Derby's a great guys, but at the end of the day, 
it's just three points gone. There is still yeah. a whole season to play. So, Toby, we spoke about Man United's predictions, where you think they could finish. Does this, obviously, Spurs left the Emirates with some pride, whereas you guys, <laughs> no. It was pretty ill, though, so yeah, we have some pride. There's okay, pride. Uh, yeah. Well, no. Too, so. Do, I, I don't know if you saw your, your greatest manager almost have an aneurysm in the stands, bruv. <laughs> there was no pride in, in that game. But I want to know, um, all banter aside, do you yeah. think this derails you guys going forward? Um, and do you, do you think your goals for this season are still intact? Um, yeah, let's start off there. Do you think, does this impact you in any way? Um, no, it doesn't. And just to quote my my guy bones second half of the season we're doing a title charge boy so don't wow. worry wow can, can can we kick toby off i'm sure he has better things to do i think dude i think i've heard enough from him for the day what no. so my... so toby so toby um prediction for everton and united because that's going to be a game best, best 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 i think it's best defense versus worst defense if i'm not mistaken if if Lampard wins, I'll just say this: If Lampard wins, I'll give him a chance. I'll give him a chance. If Lampard wins that game, I'll give him a chance. No, no slander, no slander until the end of the season. But yeah, three one, three one, Man United. Anthony Gold, Martial one, uh, Rashford one, and then I have a feeling Bobby will score. Toby at Goodison. Do you think I care, boss? Wow. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we'll be we'll be back next week for sure. Hopefully with some tears, but um, and uh, the final segment, guys, is um we won't be able to dive too deeply into it, but just just to get an idea from you guys, it's uh perfect that this is coming off of a Manchester City conversation because this is what they are. Um, oh, I apologize. We're actually we're supposed to discuss South African football, so I think that's what we should do because we actually are South Africans. So. <laughs> uh let's actually go there. So when I when we wrote this, when I wrote this uh segment and we came up with it and decided on it as a group, um, it was on the back end of Bafana Bafana playing, I think it was Lesotho or Botswana or Sierra, Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone, Sierra Leone. They had just played Sierra Leone, and apparently it's reported that there were 167, 68 people in attendance, which is Listen, I don't care who you're playing. There is no way you can have 168 people in attendance <laughs> if you are a national team and a footballing nation like South Africa. So I guess the question I have, uh, starting with, with Matthew, is yeah. you are a goalkeeper at Mamalodi Sundowns. Um, where do you think... Well, let me start off with this. Which, when, which, which era of South African football... Post our AFCON win in 96, which era do you think was our golden era? If you could just give me like a time period of years after 96, from 96 to 2022, if you could give me like a four-year horizon that you think South African football was at its peak with popularity as well as quality. My opinion, the Iraq mm. Pirates went back-to-back. Or no, was it back-to-back to back or treble? I think um, it was uh, Trevor when McCarthy was back. Yeah, yeah. I think Rude Kroll was the coach. I think that was the best area of South African football that I've watched. Because around that time, the teams that, the quality of the teams that were competing for the league 
like I mean, there was a season where Ajax Cape Town pushed Pirates to the very end. Mm. Um, Pirates team was unbelievable. Um, Chiefs, when Stuart Baxter came back, they won the league around that time as well. So uneven sundowns were building something, but Vizbert was also in the background. So I think that was the most competitive that the league's been. And I just think the overall quality of the players. Just to interject, so you're saying from about 2011 to about 2015? Yeah. Okay. And is that something that... What, what do you think has changed between now and then? Because I haven't been in SA for a while. Um, yeah. I'm in the US. But I just feel like we've been stuck in a transitionary period for the past four years. And quite clearly... Uh, fans are disgruntled. If these reports of 168 people in attendance are true, fans are disappointed. So what do you think is going wrong with the PSL and with Bafana Bafana? To the, like, is it a thing of player selection with the national team? Is it a thing of... Let's focus on the national team. Do you think with Bafana Bafana, it's a thing of player selection? Do you think it's a thing of continually choking, people being fed up? Like, how do you think they can go about recapturing you know, the, 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 the 2010 to 2015 period where people were seemingly more invested? Um, look, I don't think we've moved with the times in terms of football. Like, football's changed from mm. then up until now. It's changed drastically. And we haven't really evolved, if that's the, the best term to use. We haven't, our football hasn't really evolved. It's, um, if anything, it's regressed. Because um, I feel like this might be a bit harsh to say, but I just don't think the players are of the same quality. Like, there's a lot of average players in mm. the DSTV Premiership, which should never be the case. Like, I mean, despite how everybody feels about any Premier League footballer who they think is subpar, that's still an elite footballer at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get a certain level from them. And in the PSL, I just think they've started to accommodate a, a, a lot of mediocre players. Okay, so, so so player quality is something that you're really starting to see is an issue at the PSL level and it's filtering clearly into the national team. Mvu, yeah. um, how do you feel about the PSL moving like the NBA and the purchasing of licenses? Do you think that is at the root of what is not ruining, but preventing the PSL from really asserting itself as the powerhouse league that it should be? Um, I have a bit of a split opinion on this. And it was changed when I spoke to um, someone that's like has very good like close ties with Amazulu um, at some book events. But I think, I think the problem I have or, with that is the teams that are, some of the teams that are being bought are like their fan like like for example Bloomfontein Celtics is not a team that should have ever been sold I agree they, they had such a huge fan base so I think those types of purchases I, I, I don't get I don't understand why it's allowed um, but I think I think the league is just maybe a bit tied with money um so it's 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 like it's it's a, I'm a bit here or there, um, but I I do think like more than anything like Matthew what but what Matthew said is that we're not really going with the times. Um, I think there's less focus on 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 youth development, 
I, I think that's what uh, Pito wants to do here as well. Um, the best players are all going to one team where I don't mm-hmm. think it was necessarily like that in the time that we had, like like in the areas that that, that matched. Like obviously, if you were Chiefs or Pirates, you'd get the best players, but then there was there was still a good mix of 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 of, of players in different teams. Yeah. Where there was a stage where Sundowns was signing everyone. Anyone that had a very like a top season, you knew that there's a possibility that they're going to Sundown. But that's because Sundowns could afford that where other teams can't. So I I, I don't know. I I just feel like the league needs some form of of um maybe like 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 some commission that 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 could make it a bit more competitive. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but can I just add on to what you said, Mbu? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Like you said, um, it, it, there's something that you mentioned where if a player has a good season, he ends up at the one team. I'm not going to mention the name, but um, ends up at the one team. <laughs> and I feel like in South African football, we have this this tendency to be very erratic and impulsive with signing players because mm-hmm. the player one good season, like a single, um, not even, you know, play can play 20 games, score eight goals. And that's our our yardstick for excellence. Yes. Yeah. And just based off that, they earn a big move. Like, I mean, let let if you want to do a European comparison, James Madison, he's had several good seasons at Leicester. Yeah, granted, I, I think Leicester have refused to sell him at some point. Yeah. But, He's not going anywhere. Effective to big teams was not just based off one season. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah, in a you can have one decent season. I won't even go as far as saying good. You can have one decent season and you get a big money move. Mm. So our our measuring stick for for players doing well is just it's completely off. And 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 you know the reason I I, look I've I mentioned the NBA maybe I should have said the MLS. I made that comparison as a bit of a jab to American sports, but also as a as perhaps perhaps a blueprint for the M- the the PSL to follow. Maybe not from the perspective of East and West conferences, because I think that's nonsense. But the whole notion of having salary caps, having designated player money, um, that the MLS implements to kind of, as Invu said, encourage um com- competitiveness make it more fair, but most importantly, have more youth development. As far as youth development, the MLS is amongst the best in the world because how it works is you have homegrown players. And if your team has X number of homegrown players, your designated uh, players uh, cap increases. So you use your designated player cap to sign your your big names. Right. So it's like it's almost the equivalent of a max contract in the NBA or the NFL. So they incentivize teams to say, promote more players from your academy into your first team, because if you do that, you can then afford Chiellini, Bale, you know, Gerard, Lampard or whomever. And I think a model, maybe not to that degree, but something similar needs to happen in the PSL, because I think the thing that loses me the most um, is just how much talent gets lost, man. Like the, the, the period that Matthew highlighted, 2011 to 2015, 2016, that's also the period 
where I think SA football was at its height. Granted, to the listeners, we're all, you know, in our, in our early to mid-20s, so we didn't see what the PSL really looked like in the early 2000s. But the reason I look at that period and I say that's the, my favorites because there was a blend of, you know, legends coming back in Benny McCarthy. There were so many youth players coming through the ranks. We all played, you know, academy football at a certain level. And there were guys coming through, whether it's Paka Mani, whether it's Liam Jordan coming through the system. So there was a buzz, there was excitement. And it seems like, to Matthew's point, it's almost like they've, they've distanced that and gone more towards this model of just buying what seems to be finished products, but they, they aren't in fact finished. So it's, it's, may, may, it's just, may, may I just also like, just sorry to interrupt you. May I add something specifically about youth? Mm. Um, that's something I, I find that I'm passionate about. And like when I make money, it's something I'm definitely going to do here is that I think people also, for, but maybe people don't know. People forget that, especially in those years and up to now, at a youth level, there were lots of players that were, that were, that were it, like playing in the same light as the European uh, youngsters at the time. Maybe, mm. maybe not the same systems, but South Africa was qualifying for World Cups. They were doing well. These are all at youth level, doing well at an AFCON um, uh, level. There were so many people that I knew that were going uh, to England, to to, to Spain, to Germany, to France, uh, and 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 you know having times with teams there. Some people stayed, and some people in the national teams. They were they had uh, the, the, I forgot his name, but he was he was a he was a youth player for Dortmund, um, coming into mm-hmm. the, the 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 national team. But I know this because obviously I had friends that were that were in those settings friends at Newcastle, like, at a youth level. And, and also recently, the Stellenbosch team went to the UK and, and they won some cup, but then they were playing against, I think, Forest and maybe oh, Leicester. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it shows that at a youth level that people can compete, you know, but how you were saying, like, things get lost going up is because there aren't many... The people that have the money, there isn't that uh, focus on developing uh, the talent that is there. There can be, there could be a lot more stories like Lyle that that and Pesitao that that go there and do extremely well because there are so many people that go there at a youth level. But and to to, to interject no just there, uh, it fits perfectly with what the picture that Matthew was painting because part of what's hindering that youth development is the quick trigger signing of players. You know, after like half a good season, you. You, you have an academy player. You have a guy who just scored eight, ten goals in the PSL. You scrap that project and you jump to, you know, the guy that's had a good, a good start to the season. So I just wanted to point that out. Yes. Um, um, I, also, yeah, I, also, I also just want to say, guys, one thing that I think is in closing, um, and you can both comment on this and then we'll wrap it up here. I think another massive issue is the fact that the biggest city, or top three biggest city in Africa, does not have a team a PSL team in it. I know some, I know Pirates and uh, Chiefs are technically in Johannesburg, but they're not in Johannesburg. How can, I I, I think it's crazy that in the past seven years, Bidvest Vitz and Pumalanga Black Ace is gone. And now Johannesburg does not have a team, guys. That's, we, imagine how much talent is just going 
wasted. How do you guys, again, kind of going back to the whole thing of purchasing, I know Vu said he's, it's dependent on situation. But, you know, when you speak about a commission, do you feel, Mvu, this could be something that, you know, could be prevented? Because I know, for example, in the NBA, nobody, the NBA would not allow anyone to move the Lakers from Los Angeles. You cannot. You know, you've seen, you've seen like, uh, Seattle uh, move to OKC. You know, OKC used to be the Seattle Sonics. We've seen that. We've seen the in Buffalo, they used to have a team. That's now the LA Clippers. But in South, in, you will never see the Lakers, you'll never see the Knicks moving because that's the foundation of the league. Do you guys, how do you feel about, you know, like I'm quite passionate about this, the fact that in my hometown, my home city, there isn't a professional football team. Let's start with who Do you think that can persist or do you kind of feel that's at the foundation of what's needed to get the league back to where it is, where it needs to be? Um, you just you like on the commission stuff. Well, I think it could be helpful, but I think the focus should be more on if 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 clubs are bought, there needs to be some someone overseeing reinvestment into the club. So that's what the commission could serve for. Maybe not necessarily blocking purchases, okay, but putting things in place where a club is purchased in in at least three, four years, X or X and Y needs to be done to improve the 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 club, the 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 youth level. Like there's so many things that can be done to help professionals, like small even diets, like things that maybe are, are, are a lot more expensive, but just things to, to to improve the overall club. But also just back to your point, yes, some of these things are situational. So Vitz Vitz lost their rights because Bitvest was was becoming the official sponsor for the league, I think. So they were not going to be able to to exist under the same name. So they had to sell. Um, okay. But where I agree is that, like, because I think the the the, the 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 owner that bought the rights, I think they were from Vendor. Matt, maybe Matt can interject here because yeah. I, I yeah. think he might. Yeah. So like things like that, like teams shouldn't have to go to a different city. Like you're like you're saying, because you lose the, the 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 fan base from there. Um, mm. So I think that's ideally like a commission could work. Well, in theory, it would be great, but the the people buying the clubs have to care about football. They have to. You need you need so many pizzas, bro. You need you need pizzas. Yeah. You need you need you need your your Sean Bartlett's that that have. I think who have who have been overseas and know how well it can work for one, uh. and also genuinely have an interest in developing players from here, with the with the sole purpose of improving the league, but also sending out as many players abroad. Which I think that's what they want. They know that players need to play at the highest level for us to compete, and they won't stop um, um, players from going uh, abroad. Like is, there's always with those people, it seems like there's a, there's an end goal. Where, yeah, you need you need something like that where where they're forced to, to 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 focus on improving the the league. Everything should be centered around improving the league. Mm-hmm. And now, Matthew, in closing, uh, from your own experience, do you feel there are enough uh, leagues or cups or organizations in place to truly satisfy? How just the the mass number of you know academy 
and pro players that are in South Africa? Or do you think South Africa needs to look at expanding? You know, like in the Premier League, you have PL, the PL Academy, PL Academy 2, then you have the third, then you have the FA Cup, the Youth Cup. Yeah. The... So do you think it's, it's enough or should they be looking to expand? That's a very good question. It's a... Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I think the obvious answer is that they should definitely have, they should expand. Uh. But like the comparison with, with the biggest league in the world financially, I, I, look, I don't yeah. think they can. Mm. Like, I mean, I've, I've been, I was fortunate where I was, I was in a proper academy growing up. And, um, you'd be surprised to find out that once when you play against other PSL academies, it's just very all over the place. Like yeah, it's a professional, it's like a, a professional organization. Mm-hmm. Like it's just very much half assed, you know? Um, so I, I don't think they can afford to expand like at mm-hmm. this point in time, but of course, you know, on paper or, in theory, they should, but I really don't think it, it can happen. And one last question um, on the topic of lost talent. I, I, I haven't played uh, academy football in South Africa since 2016, uh, so I don't really know what happens when guys get older because I was 18 at the time, so it was really, truly, truly academy. And from, I'd say, 19 is when you see guys start to go to reserves and all of that stuff. Yeah. From your experience, uh, whether it's just observing or maybe something personal, what happens to those guys that aren't being picked week in, week out and that don't get fed enough games because there aren't enough of these, you know, leagues or systems in place? How, what ends up happening to those guys? Do they then just kind of fizzle out at the team or do they, does the team have things for them to do, maybe like a, a five-a-side league or something? Like, what happens? Um... Well, having seen it, because I, I don't have any personal experience to share on that because I'm still active in football. Mm. But having seen a lot of guys lose interest. and Because uh. it, it gets to a point where, and I've, I've seen it happen, and you know, I'm, I really don't like that, this thing of players where they, they'll say, it, the coach didn't like me. It's okay to say things didn't work out. Yeah. But... Um, you do see there are some cases where there are a lot of there's a lot of politics in South African football and look a lot of it comes down to kickbacks. Coaches want to benefit at mm. the expense of other players. So I'm not saying that that happens often, but it does and I've seen it. And I mean if you find yourself in that situation you're going you you it's beyond your control and you kind of just take a look at it and think well, well why am i even doing this so then then losing, then that causes yeah despondency yeah no definitely can i can i just add something to that um and yeah. obviously this is not from the same experience as matthew or anyone that's at that's playing at his level but i think one thing I can highlight from someone that I know that has been in, in, in this system that obviously there's this, like Matthew said, there's some form of responsibility of someone like have use your own responsibility in, in, in being active about your career. But I feel that 
at some places teams don't treat players as if as a representation of the team. Yeah. So players are injured, they're not helped as much as they should be. At the end of the day, that player is a representative of Pirates, Chiefs, Sundowns, um, um Stellenbosch, you know, like you, you represent the club you were signed um for them. Like they I don't think some people get helped enough, whether or not it's in the club's capacity, but I think there isn't a focus on helping people as much as um they should be. So yeah. That's no, just yeah, no, 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 for real. And that's a very valid perspective to have. I mean, look, maybe we'll have uh, an episode along the line where we all highlight our experiences playing academy. Um, I do think what Mvu, just in summary, before I, I close this episode, what Mvu is saying about context is very important and it's layered, as Matthew said. Sometimes it is things just not working out as a player. That happened to me at Vitz. I was at Big Vest Vitz. Things didn't work out for me. The way the coach saw me in the team isn't how I saw myself. He didn't think I was good enough to play in the midfield. I didn't want to play as a centre-back. <clears throat> you can part ways and it's perfectly fine. Um, but then when on your point of feeling comfortable, uh, that's what I experienced at Black Aces. Uh, when I arrived there, I, for the first time in my, my, you know, my career playing football in South Africa, I felt like, yo... Um, I feel home and Black Aces, I felt, did a great job at making you ambassadors of the club, you know, feeling, feeling more than just uh, a number on a shirt or whatever. But we can we can dive a bit deeper uh, at another point. Gentlemen, thank you so much for this discussion. We we lost Kanya and uh, Toby, hence why it was dominated by us three. But Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. Your perspective is uh, appreciated, much needed. If you have time, we'd love to have you back at some point, bro. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm always keen. I'm always keen to talk football. Ah, lovely. And Buyalwa, the future uh, president of SAFA, as always, my <laughs> brother. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your insights. Um, yeah, I've been your host, and this was another episode of Debates Never Die. Thank you to the listeners. Peace.